And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. What is up, everybody? Welcome to a Saturday afternoon edition of Candlepin Corner, uh, the approach on the Candlepin Corner podcast here on Twitch. And if you're listening afterwards on Anchor or uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever, Spotify, whatever you guys use, welcome. Uh, Today we have an interesting one because usually this is where I introduce Danny and Jeremy and they do their whole thing. Um, But we have no Danny today. We have a we have a better guest, a better guest host today than than Danny. Hashtag better than Danny in the chat. Um, we have a, a great voice from Candlepin. You know him as as Richie or Richie Sito. We got Richie Myrick here joining me as co-host. Say, what's going on, Richie? What's up, everybody. Thanks for having me. So, oh, I'm happy to have you. You're uh, you're a welcome addition here. And not to not to take anything away from from Danny or Jeremy, but you are you are one of the great voices in Candlepin, a great bowler yourself, and a, a great person to have alongside me here for today's interview. All the kind words, but I don't think Danny's going to be very honest with you. <laughs> That's all right, because Danny actually voluntarily took a step back because he's he's heard everything he's had to hear from this guy already, and you and I, as well as we know him, we haven't. So today we get in, get a special interview with the co-host of the Approach Podcast. Mr. Jeremy Seaholm. Hey, what's, what's going, going on? How are you, Jeremy? Not too bad. This this is a little weird. Yeah, you're on the other side today. Usually you're the <laughs> one asking the questions, but you're getting interrogated today. Yeah, no, it was weird. You know, as I was telling you before we came on, you know, Danny came up with the idea a little over a year ago. And I wasn't I wasn't too sure about it. I figured nobody really cared what I had to say. Or if like it and you know, if people thought it'd be like, oh, what's he doing on his own show? But you know what? I feel like I have some good stories and I think people will find them interesting. Yeah, I can I can just speak for myself to some of the stories I've heard from from just being here, sitting here that you've you've opined on in, in other podcasts. They've all been interesting. They've been great. And I've I've been itching to hear more. So this is the perfect opportunity today. But letting people tell their stories when forward to hearing some of yours on the other end. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I guess we start at the beginning. Uh, how did you. You get into Candlepin. What what age did you start? Did you expect to to be where you are now when you started? Like, tell me, tell me your origin, your your villain origin story, your your hero origin story, whatever you want to call it, from when you started in Candlepin. Um, honestly, I remember going bowling just like as a kid. I mean, I I have pictures. I wish I could find them of my first time. I want to say it was right around 1983, so it was probably two. And there's pictures of me, you know, my my dad in his 80s Larry Bird shirt. You know, it's like, you know, the over-characterized, like, T-shirts from back then. Um, you know, and just, just it was me, him, and my sister. Um, I didn't really go bowling that often until he joined the league. I mean, he bowled on Sunday nights, and I begged to go with him every week. And one of the guys that worked there... Paul, who actually I ended up working with later on, um, used to pay me in free bowling to help him clean the tables. I mean, that's, and, uh, that's a great way to get started, Richie. A little bit of a delay, guys, so I apologize for that. And you would quit in his 80s, years of age. I was kind of struck for a second. I was like, all right, wait a second. All right, all right we're okay. Uh, I was also paid in free bowling back in the way to do it. Oh yeah, I mean, all, I mean, clearly, I, I later on I knew what was happening. It's just he just didn't want to clean the tables, so it was just like, you know what? I'll get this eight-year-old kid to do it, and then, um, you know what? I'll just let him bowl. But that's the sign of a good house a lot of the times, and a lot of, of good managers, owners, because you see that a lot now with su- certain places that are welcoming to the kids. Like I know my nieces go to academy, and Josh has them running running cups back to the back to the bar and empty food baskets, and the same thing. You, you get the kids happy to help in any way and they get on the lanes and then they fall in love with the game. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I would bowl off to the side and my father's league was probably like 12, 14 teams, something like that. I just bowl off to the side. You know, I wasn't really keeping score. So, I mean, thoughts of being where I am now really didn't, it didn't cross my mind really just, I just enjoyed doing it. And, you know, I used to watch the TV shows every every Saturday at 12 o'clock. And I think that's where I started to get the itch. I'm like, wow. I'm like, the, like to me, they, they were sports heroes. Like, these guys are on TV. Holy shit. Like, you can, you can be a professional and do this. Little did I know that, you know, most of these guys had, you know, three jobs or something. But, but yeah, no, it's, once I started seeing them on TV, it was like, wow, like, I, I, I want to do that. And then 
it, it just kind of kind of took off from there. When I joined the kids league, I didn't take it as seriously as I should have, but I, I still still loved it. And um, yeah, it was it was probably when I started working there is when I really put the work in. Hard work to get results. You had to put the work. And you know, there's another thing that we all seem to have in common point viewing. You know, we all have it to some level. And um, you, what you guys are doing with the approach and uh, with Candlepin Corner and whatever is kind of too. So there's something to be said for that. So I do. Thank you. So now what age did you start actually in the kids league? And then what age were you when you started working there and started to really focus on, on honing in your craft? So I started, I want to say nine or 10 years old. I want to say it was like fifth grade. It was like 1991 ish. Um, I don't, I don't even know what maybe decide. I, I mean, I kind of vividly remember I was down, we had um kind of like a finished half finished basement or whatever i remember like my dad was yelling down to me for something and then i'd just be like i want to join a kids league he's like okay <laughs> okay <laughs> all right fine we'll you know we'll sign you up and then you know that's where i got my first taste of helen salu the owner which was holy god like, i mean she's terrifying to anyone under the age of 30 <laughs> you know um but yeah, she, I mean, she cared a lot, like so much about her kids that were instructors, you know, going up and down. Everything was, you know, just so you don't misbehave, you don't screw around, you don't do any. It's like, you're there to bowl. Once you're done with your three strings, I don't really care what you do. Did she have a softer side at all to her, Jerry? You know, that she was really saying no cutting corners, no nothing like that. Uh, did she have a softer side at all? To her? Oh, 100%. She, she absolutely, and you know, I, I know I kind of, you know, make her out to be like this kind of beast. But, but honestly, I mean, that, that aside, she was one of the most generous people that, that there ever was. Like literally if, if for some odd reason, you know, I didn't have a place to go like at night, if I didn't, you know, if I was stuck and I didn't have a place to stay all, I could call her up and be like, Hey, you know, my grandfather's out of town or, you know, I, I, can I crash at your place tonight? A hundred percent, 10 times out of 10, she would say, stay at my house. And I'm glad you, you brought up your, your grandfather in that, in that conversation. Cause I know that he's got a, a special place in your heart and you've talked about him a couple of times. What's the impact he's had on, on your game, the game of Candlepin just in general to you. So like, he, of course, like he and I would watch, he would watch, you know, the shows um, he would, he would always tell me, so, I mean, he was, a, he was a little bit of a bowler way back. He used to work for Raytheon and he would, he bowled in whatever, you know, Raytheon league or whatever it was. And this is back in like the mid sixties, like 64, 65, something like that. And he averaged one Oh nine, you know, and so and he had a high, high single of like one sixty two. He threw a three eighty six. Um, he had. He said he threw a triple strike in the in the one sixty two, and Helen's brother George George Salu, which I feel like you know we haven't really talked too much about, was kind of like the opposite of Helen in terms of like personality and stuff. And he 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 got like this little pin, a triple strike pin, that I wish I knew where it was because I'd love I'd love to have it. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean he. That that kind of average back in the day on wooden pins or plastic coated pins or whatever whatever they were back then is I thought it was pretty impressive, but yeah I mean he he'd take me bowling every so often and we had uh, actually George gave my father a set of I think they were Target pins uh, they were like the plastic uh, the wood wood painted with like the plastic caps I think State Bowl had them uh, for a while too. And we would set him up in the driveway and, you know, I'd bowl in the driveway with like this one ball that we had, which I think I want to say now looking back, it was probably a Manhattan. So it was an, it was an old ball. Well, those Manhattan rubbers could take a bowl in the driveway with those types of balls. <laughs> oh, 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 that thing was a beast. That, that thing, that thing took some, uh, took, took some damage. And so, so yeah. And I joined the kids league. He brought me every single week cause it was, it was three 30 after school. He'd pick me up from school. We'd go straight to the bowling alley. He'd stay, you know, he'd, he'd watch. And that was, you know, that was that. And as I started getting older, you know, I started working at the bowling alley. I was getting better, getting better. And and of all people, Tom O'Brien and Reggie DeLine, you know, started telling me to chase roll-offs. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, 
okay, that's how you get on TV. That, that, that's that, okay. That's what we do. So I started chasing Raw. Ever since then, like he he went to everything. It was just like, oh, like I like I'll go because then he got to see guys that he watched on TV. You know, because at that point, um, it was the tail end of uh, Fran Honorado. Um, I mean, Carrington was bowl, still bowling in his in his prime. You know, and and he loved it. He loved watching good bowling. It was it was just it was just fun. Like it, it was like the best time of his life. Just 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 to be around a bowling alley. Well, you mentioned Reggie Line and a list of of, uh, of questions, countless Reggie stories. I've never had the chance. You got a couple up your sleeve before us for uh, <laughs> Reggie. <laughs> Re- Reggie was one of a kind. I liked Reggie. I, I liked Reggie a lot. He um. So this was my first experience in a competitive league. Because I, I bowled, I I eventually joined the Sunday Night League that my dad bowled in, and it was it, it was clear at that point I needed more, like I, I needed to to be better. And there was there was somebody in his league. Uh, his name was Al Shushan, and like you know he kept telling telling my dad he goes he needs to get on Monday nights. He needs to get on Monday nights. Like he's just gonna get better. He's he's just like I see so much in this kid, just like. I was like, okay. And so Al was on Reggie's team. So he reached out to Reggie. Next thing, like the next day, I get a phone call. He's like, ah, is Jeremy there? I'm like, oh, yeah, this is Jeremy. It's like, hey, Reggie DeLine. I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> like, why is Reggie DeLine calling my house? <laughs> and he, he's just like, ah, you know, Al, Al said you were going to be joining the team and this and that. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah. yeah. He goes, oh, so what are your credentials? And I'm going, I'm 17. <laughs> I don't have credentials. <sighs> I'm like, I haven't won any. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I, I average like 108, something you, like that. You haven't stepped foot on the lanes. Yeah. It is. And so, and I had met Reggie before because he bowled my dad. Fairway used to have an in-house tournament and he ended up bowling my dad. And like, all I see is this dude with, with greased back hair, like big glasses, like a t-shirt cargo pants and socks up to his knees and i'm going oh god i'm like what is this but he he um but but he was he was funny he every t- every week he'd come in and he'd tell me how much he won on kino separate tickets because he never paid never paid taxes on anything ever i don't think um and, and it was great we won we won a league championship that year it was 20 20 teams and it, it was it was it was great it was my first uh first taste of winning something i was just like that like i need more of this so sometimes that's all it takes to light the fire is just you get like you said a little bit of success and you say okay now you know you can push yourself to be even better and better and in mm-hmm. fairway was was your house right was that was that where you bowled 90 oh, percent of your early career that was my home that was yeah. my home yeah, yeah. i I mean, especially once I started watching the bowl, like when I was watching the bowl shows, I'm like, oh my God, like I know where that is. That's like my house. And so, you know, every, every time I went there, like they met, they made you, they made you feel like home. And especially once I started, started working there, like, I mean, they did, they treated you like family. Like I never, never bowled anywhere, never bowled anywhere else, except for like one year. I bowled one or two years. I bowled at Needham Bowl away. And I remember when I made Channel 50 the first time, Helen got so mad because they mentioned the other bowling alley. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you threw the last ball. I did. I made sure I did. How did that come about? How did that come Oh, So I worked the last night. I locked the door. And I made damn sure that if anyone was going to throw the last string, it was going to be me. Which is weird because so we closed at 11 o'clock. Now, mind you, that night, and I have, I gave a camcorder to one of my, um, a league bowler. Said, "Hey, can you do me a favor and just kind of go around, just just take some video," which is really cool because um, Bill Austin held a tournament that night, and Steve Reno came down, Dead Klein came down, um, to to bowl to bowl in the tournament, and uh, actually Stevie Steve Reno got interviewed on Channel Five that night, which was pretty cool. So. Yeah, so we we close up, lights are out, it's me and my wife. So like the two of us, because I mean that's that's where we met. So the two of us, you know, we bowled a couple strings, and then um, I walked off the lane after a couple boxes and I turn around. I guess I forgot to lock the door. Cause there was a dude just like standing there, and I turn around and I went, Holy shit. <laughs> I'm like, 
can I help you? And he's just like, are you guys open? I'm like, no, we're not open. <laughs> the last time, the last time. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, well, you got to be kidding me. But yeah, no, I, I made sure that if I'm going to throw a ball, you know, I'm, if this place is going down, like I'm, I'm throwing the last ball. So it was just what I was doing there. The score, score sheet is in my bag still. What was that? What'd you end up with? What was your final score oh. on the on your last game? Uh, one thirty-seven. That's a good way to go out. Oh, yep. That's, that's your forever house average. That's what I. I've, I've got, <laughs> got another question about last night, but I, I need to ask you a story out of Natick. Through the trash can. What happened with that? I, I don't recall, Council. <laughs> Are you saying that you you signed <laughs> non-disclosure because I have a feeling that you know exactly what? That was going to be a strike, too. (laughs) If if, if, if from the photo that I've seen footage of this, but the alleged video, I should say, for counsel's sake, it would be a good can. (laughs) So it was one of the one of the nights after bowling. There might have been some recreational beverages involved. And uh, we, we, were, we were just screwing around. And then we, we used to have like these, um, they were like the trash can covers. You just, It looked like R2-D2. <laughs> and I just, I I don't know why I thought of it. And I remember, actually, I kind of have to blame Hallberg for this one. Because I remember him telling a story about Kaliri throwing a trash can down the lane. And... I, I just I just picked it up and just went Bleh. I'm like holy shit that's gonna be a strike and then it tailed off I was pissed <laughs> that, that was a, that was a fun night I will say it appeared it so I mean your days at fairway your days at bowling in general you've seen a lot of bowlers that have bowled great games you've had seen a lot of bowlers that have big personalities what have your what are some of your favorite moments from your fairway days like what's your when you when you think about fairway What's your number one memory that you say, oh, yeah, that was that was prime fairway time? Um, well, I will say when I first started, my, I started in January of 2000. March that year, they had the March Pro Tour, the WCBC stop there. And that was a disaster <laughs> of a night because it was pouring rain. The microphone kept cutting out. We, I mean, we had to wait for days. Just people just kept trying to come in. And of course you have to keep so many lanes, you know, at least two lanes away from, from the bowlers. And it was, it was, it was just overall the night was an absolute disaster, but was also like the best night. Cause this was, this was my first actual like close up of watching these guys live, you know? And I, I think I want to say Poolin, I think Mike Poolin won that, won that stop. He went like 1430, 1420, 1430. Something like that. And I, I just remember going, like, I think I was averaging like 108, 110, something like that. And it was like right then when I was just like, okay, like, I'm getting on this tour next year. I'm getting to that 112. Like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to work to do it. But that was, that was the first, my first interaction with, with, with pro bowlers. And I'm like, this is because that's what Fairway was about. That's what I always thought of the state tournament, the TV shows, you know, and I'm like, this, this, this is, this is awesome. The other, the other thing I love that they used to do, and I'd love to bring it back. Jack, actually, Jay Cook and I almost brought it back, and then COVID hit. Um, the Fairway Elimination Tournament, which was only open to house bowlers. You had 32 entries, doubles, mixed doubles, uh, singles, men and women. And it was just elimination tournament. You win this week, you come back next week. And it would last from end of April till June, something like that. And it, and it was great. The, and the winner got free bowling for a year. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. You, you know, that that was something that we all look forward to. And, and like, and after, you, you know, the previous year, you know, like, okay, who am I going to bowl with next year? Like, you know, who's, who's, you know, it was just fun. It was, it was just a fun tournament. It was, I mean, it was handicapped. I remember, Richard, do you remember Jack Daly? I can't say that I do. So he, he was a Quincy guy. He, he bowled at Olindy's. I want to say Danny Harris must still know him. And he and I went in with a 122. He went in with a 122. I went in with a 121. And we bowled a team. The guy had a 45 average. And his partner had like a 90-something. We were giving 97 pins a string, right? 
We went 1330 scratch and lost. <laughs> of course. It, it was it was it was insane, and we just looked at each other like, how, how do you com, how do you complain? Like it is what it is, you know. That guy with a forty five throws sixty strings. You're done. And that's what it is. I mean, you've been around the block. You know, you've seen that you can bowl your best game, and when you're bowling against consummate professionals, your best game just that day might not be good enough because they had their best game. So right. you've done a lot with with pro tours with tv with pro series events all that stuff what's what's something that stands out to you as like something you've taken away from doing all these these television shows being on tv all the these different types of tours and, and tournaments you've done um what's something you've taken away for that that newer bowlers can can take in and say okay this is how i get better this is how i kind of get to that upper echelon um watch watch the guys that are either better than you or older than you guys that have been around the game because I will, I will tell you, like my first couple of years on the pro tour, um, really taught me how to be a pro. And I know, you know, Richie, you use that term quite a bit. Um, you know, you know, be a pro, like conduct yourself accordingly. And I've and I've seen guys that that you know, I mean, over the years that just don't have that. And I wanted to make sure that I was the guy that represented myself you know, respectfully represented the alley that I was in respectfully, you know, and, and that's, that, that, that's my major thing is just my behavior on, on the lanes is probably the thing that I've worked hardest at. I can attest to that. That's for sure. Jeremy, that's, you, know, a pro. you know, like we all have our times up there and, you know, mm-hmm. you know oh, and I have too. Try to be better. I mean, you know, come on, be one, do nothing else. Right. Exactly. And, and that was that was something that Helen also you know instilled in us. Like you don't don't dress like a slob, don't act like an idiot, and you know just because you're representing yourself, you know. And you see some of the, you see some of the newer tournaments. I think uh, ACBT comes to mind. It's the newest mm-hmm. one of the new tournament things on the block that tries to instill that have to wear a collared shirt, have to no hats. You have to little things like that that I feel like have kind of slowly moved away from the game and it's you bring a lot more of the casual bowlers in you need to bring the new the new blood in but i think there's a fine line between trying to make professional professional and and i see that subbing on the the friday pro you see a lot of these guys now that collar shirts their 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 conduct on the lanes their conduct off the lanes they start talking some crap and going back and forth but when they're on the lanes they're respectful to one another they're they get their bowlers etiquette they're not slamming stuff or, or kicking ball returns and i think that that goes a long way to to some of the younger guys that do get some of the uh, the anger that comes along with Candlepin Bowl and that we all yeah. the all have felt. Yeah, and when I and when uh, New England Candlepin switched from Franklin to to Millis, and I I took on organizing the roll ups and all that stuff, you know I I don't know if Matt Grace did or not, but one of the first things that I made sure I said was no gym shorts, no jeans. Like you're gonna, you're gonna be on a TV show in my house. You're gonna wear khakis. Doesn't have to be dress pants, um, but khakis or I think I allowed golf shorts. And you know, and it wasn't. It wasn't. I didn't think I was being unreasonable. No, I think I think that's perfectly expected that to to wear golf shorts, flat front khakis, anything like that. That's that's. Uh, Look professional. You're gonna be. You're gonna be videotaped. You're gonna be streamed somewhere. Look professional. Exactly. I mean, and could you imagine? No. No. Go ahead, Richie. Could you imagine if Rory McIlroy was in cargo shorts? Because I certainly hilarious, but I can't see it. Oh God, no, no, no. I, I mean, I get we're we're not on you know the stage of like even the PBA or the PGA or whatever it is. But I mean, for for what we are like. We should represent ourselves well, and that's right. We'll, we'll cons- we go up there looking like slobs every time. Never- right, exactly, exactly. It, it's you know it, that that was that was my only thing. I was just like, you know what, khakis, golf shorts, like fine. But like, I don't. I just I didn't because I know at the time Pete was looking to expand the show and try and get it to more more you know viewers and stuff. It's like I I wanted our guys to look good. 
Because, I mean, I can think back to when I was young watching the the TV shows on the weekends. I, shorts were, were, weren't even found anywhere. Those were pants and, and collared shirts only. Shorts just kind of have been the last maybe 10 years that people started to kind of say, okay, let's do golf short, golf shorts or khakis. But those guys back then, if you if you saw them in, in windbreaker pants or gym shorts, something up there on the lanes, it's a totally different show than what you saw them professionally dressed on on all these episodes. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you were going to tell me that I would see, you know, Gary Carrington up on the lane in a pair of Zubas, like, I mean, I would tune in every <laughs> single day. See, you say that knowing oh, him man. now, but I mean, watching that back then to draw viewers in. It's uh... <laughs> no, but I mean that'd be fantastic, and you know it would. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and for the record, man. they still sell those. My mom just bought my dad a new pair of Patriots ones, yeah, so they do they still sell those. Still sell. Yeah, they sure do. But I think the NFL has a license with them. <laughs> I got to invest in something. Sorry. <laughs> the bring bring back Zubas for Worlds 2023. That's fantastic. I'd I'd, I'd be all in. <laughs> So you mentioned when you got to Ryan's, you started working on the show there. That was kind of, was that your next step from Fairway to Ryan's? Was that the the jump for you to, to get over and work Candlepin still? Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Um, and honestly, I mean, there, there was a period at Fairway where it, it got difficult because, I mean, we all know the place was going. And it, it was just, you could see the writing on the wall. And, you know, it, like some of the employees, like... It's not that we weren't getting along or anything like that, but it was, it was just, it was a weird environment. So, and then of course, Helen is stressing. So she's in not as great of a mood as she normally would be. It's, um, it was difficult and kind of made it like, I just didn't want to be in the business anymore. Like at all. Like, I'm like, I need to find something new. And there was a guy who bowled in our Monday morning senior league, Jerry, and he came up, he goes, oh, he goes, you know where Millis is? I'm like, yeah. So I, I, I bowled, bowled a doubles league there for half a season. I'm like, why? What's up? He goes, oh, they're looking for a mechanic. I'm like, okay. And I needed a job. I, I, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this again, but I, I, I need a job. So I go into Helen's office. I pick up the phone and I proceeded to call my future boss on her phone. Yep. And I talked and we talked for probably 45 minutes and I'm going, Oh shit. Like, I really hope she doesn't come in. <laughs> and yeah, he, he's just like, he's like, yeah, like, can you, can you come down tomorrow? We'll, you know, just show you around and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, cool. I go down, I met him. I spent man down. Um, man, go on, go on. And we spent, <laughs> he spent 30 minutes showing me, you know, the machines and stuff like that. But I was there for like three hours. Cause we just, we just, you know, shot the shit and talked brewing. I mean, he's a big hockey guy. So we, I mean, we talked a bunch of Bruins. We were talking baseball, uh, some bowling stuff and it, it, it was great. And he, he said he knew, you know, that moment he goes, all right, there's, you know, there's my guy. And then I was there for 10 years, you know, it now, was, had it you was not, met the, not met this Jerry on the Monday night. You wouldn't have had any English seek out a mechanics job. Would you like, like this guy? No. Changed everything. No, honestly, he he, he did. He, he did, and it wasn't even somebody that I was close to. I mean, he would come in and I'd be like, "Hey, Jerry, how you doing?" He's all oh, good. How are you? I mean, he watched bowling shows. We talk about bowling and stuff, but like, we weren't like a like it, we weren't super tight or anything. And he just, um, yeah, you should you should give it a try. Give it a try. You know, call the guy. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm not having any luck, like job wise. So. Yeah, no, and I mean that 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 changed everything because even when I was working at Fairway, like I was bowling, I was big, you know, I obviously deep into the like the proceed and, and stuff like that, but I don't know. I feel like I didn't talk to people or I don't know, I wasn't like in it. I was just kind of like I'd show up, I'd bowl, I'd leave. I wasn't really very social, I guess. So now I'm going, you know, I go to Ryan's and then eventually end up doing the TV show and I'm, you know, people are contacting me, I'm talking more. Um, you know, we, you know, Richie and I, you know, kind of re reconnected more once the show started going and now I'm starting to get more involved in like the management side of it. And I don't know, it was, it, it, it was, it was, it was weird. I felt more connected to the bowling world then than I ever did at Fairway. 
So I guess it's fair to say, so Fairway connected you to the game and Ryan's oh, yes. connected you to the community. That's kind of what, it, that's kind of where it boiled out to. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And then how long into your Ryan's tenure, did you meet a guy by the name of Danny Finn that we all know and love and, and listen to on a, on a weekly basis and see thousands of Facebook posts from. And, uh, and like at least 150 polls. Yeah. Yeah. At least a minimum. That's, that was just last week. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I met him actually, did I? Yeah. I met him my first year. Like he bowled in the, so I basically, I'm like, all right, like I need a league now. Uh, what do, what do I do? So there was a league. It was a full house. Granted it was a league of drinkers. So it wasn't competitive at all, but it was still fun. Like all the people in the league were great. And I see like all the way down the other end. I think I've, I've told this story probably a hundred times. He's wearing a Celtics Jersey that says like Boston DeFi on the back. I'm like, is that his name? Did he put his name on his jersey? Like, what? What is that? <laughs> like, what a dink! <laughs> and like, and, and I'm the type of like. So for some reason, I was just. I'm like, I'm not gonna like that guy. <laughs> so, so like later on in the year, we ended up. I think we ended up bowling them in the playoffs or bowling next to them, like in the roll-offs or whatever, and. I started getting talking to to Kate, uh, Kate's mom, and then a little bit to to Danny. I'm like, yeah, you know what? He's not that bad. Like he's okay. And a couple couple years later, you know, he he said he got laid off from his job. He was looking for work. He was roaming around. Actually, I remember he was roaming around the game room with his nephews. And he, I'm like, yeah. I said, you know, come come on in, talk to, you know, talk to PJ and I. We'll, we'll um, you know, we'll set something up. And he hasn't left can't get rid of him <laughs> and i mean while you're there he he developed a little tournament that i think you uh said it was never going to take off and now he never lets you live down the fact that you said it was never going to take <laughs> off so what was what was that first conversation like when he brought the idea because i think you were working there in, in management at the time yep he says i have this idea for a tournament yeah so he so he was i want to do a knockout I said okay like just, you know, standard, you know, qualify, knockout round, this stuff like this. No, it's different. Okay. He goes, I want to, you know, you, you knock out a percentage each, each round. Okay. So like, how much are we talking for an entry fee? He goes, $30. I'm like, so are you doing like, like a qualifier? And then like you, you do like five strings and then you start knocking people out. And he's like, he's like, no, no, no. You can knock them out right away. I don't think people are going to pay $30 to bowl one string. He's like, yeah, but we'll give them the option to bowl two more. I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now. I said, if I throw an 87 and I'm knocked out after paying $30, I'm not going to bowl those two strings. <laughs> oh, out you go. I will be, yeah, yeah. I, I will be walking out the door and driving home probably at a quick pace. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. And so I think, I think he did that the first three or four times. I, I forget when buy box buybacks became a thing, which ultimately became a game changer. But yeah, and so we're coming up to tournament day, and my my daughter was an infant at the at the time. And that morning, I mean, she had like that that projectile vomit sickness kind of thing, where like it, like it was brutal. And I'm like, Daddy, I'm not gonna make it. I'm sorry. And then I guess he, you know, he had PJ, our boss, was just like, well, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and it was only like 17 people, which, like, at the grand scheme of things, like now would be like nothing. But yeah, I mean, he was, I, I give him, I give him credit. Like, he, he pulled it off. Yeah. That's one of the, I mean, so the greatest tournaments going and to start from nothing, you know, start from the business mm -hmm. stuff. It's really awesome. I look forward to those scratch handicap. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm in. No, I, I, I agree. What he has done with that, it's, I mean, I would easily call it, like for singles tournaments, I would easily call that a top five tournament in the game. Easy. Yeah, I agree. The first time I did it, like I, I had signed up for it before COVID, I think, and something came up, couldn't make it. And a buddy of mine went down and said how much fun he had. And I was at that point, I'm like, damn, I didn't know anything about it. I just signed up because I saw a tournament. And then my buddy's like, oh, yeah, it was great. And now that I've done it a couple of times, I can see why it gets the rave reviews it does because it's just, 
the the anticipation of seeing where the cut line is going to be. If you're right at the cusp, if you have a great game, awesome. You know, you moved on, but you throw a 110 and you're like, oh, is that going to be enough? Is it going to be a 111 cut? Is it going to be a 109 cut? That Start that suspense. Looking, looking over here, looking over anything down this side though, because I'm on lane 21 and two. Oh my god, how many how many guys do you see pacing going up and down the line, going like this? You know, counting you know counting yep. scores. Everybody's and, all of a sudden will hunting and doing math in their head and figuring out what the <laughs> what the average is throughout the whole lanes. Yeah, no, it's it, it's crazy. And what's what's great because you can go into that tournament knowing you don't have to be the best, bowl, like you don't have to be like the best bowler. You know that day you you have to be consistent. And once you get to the later strings, yeah, you're gonna have to be the better guy. But to go deep and do well in that tournament, you just gotta be consistent. And not be bad. Not running everybody else. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, you as a bowler. If we've talked about you as a beginner bowler, we've talked about you as a person working in the game. Now you as a bowler, you've done a lot in your career. You've done great. I mean, I have a question coming in into my DMs asking about your your highest series if you've thrown a seven hundred. Um, I, I think you might know the person that asked. Uh, I, not me. <laughs> No, so, he, he knows who asked the question. He knows. <laughs> so there was this one time um, I decided to – granted, I bowled on my own. And I I want to say I it was like seven and a half strings. I think I I, I got to 700 that time. I stopped there. Yeah, yeah, it counts. I, I might have done it in six also. That's fine. It's fine. Well, no, we won't tell anybody. This isn't going to be posted anywhere. We won't, nobody will know. And he didn't specify. <laughs> he, that's true. He didn't, because Danny threw a six hundred in ACST last year, but it took him six games. So he like, I guess that's if he can use that, you can use the seven hundred. <laughs> Fair. So I mean, you've you've won a lot. You've won outrun the bear. You've won pro series events. You've won a lot. Obviously, you did something pretty big this past November as well. What's your your biggest one on your resume? Whether it's from twenty years ago or Two months ago, what's your what's your biggest checkbox on your resume? And as a follow up to that, what's your next checkbox on your resume? Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I have to say, last you know, this past November, I mean, that's that's that was something I never thought would happen. I honestly never thought that would ever happen. Um, when Ganj came up to me and said, "Hey, you know, we want to have you," and of course, they had just come off of you know, come off a win, you know, and that, that team, I mean, that team had still had cookie on it, you know, basically the same team. There was a couple pieces that changed. Um, and I said, and I had, I, I did feel a loyalty to, to Lamone, Lamone because like I had just, I just bowled with them. And, you know, I was talking to my buddy, Joe Chambers and I was like, you just, and we were literally standing right next to the picture of them holding the trophy. And he just goes, just look at the picture. It's not that hard of a decision. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're, you're fair. And, and, you know, and I, and I, I was texting Lamona. It took me two hours to send the text to him to say that I was moving. I'm like, I, it, it, it hurt me to do it. But at the same time, I'm not getting any younger. I don't know how many more of these opportunities I'm going to get. I was like, you know what? I'll, I, I'll, I'll make the jump. And I just figured I was replacing Starner. I think it was because I don't think Starter was bowling. Like he was injured for a little while, I think. Like he took some time off. And so, and then COVID hit. And then I didn't actually get a chance to bowl with him for like another three years. Just be, I know they did the nationals and stuff like that. Um, but working at Ryan's, I, I wasn't able to get the time off. And so finally we get to this year and then moving, you know, going into the tournament, all of a sudden, you know, I got Cheech to pick up Justin and Sean. Which I thought, I thought those were huge. Like I thought, just getting Justin and Sean were huge. And then he sends me a message and said, "Hey, we just picked up Danny Harris." And and like my mind almost exploded. I almost did like the Perfect Strangers happy dance, like in the living room. Like, are you kidding me? Three and horses, right? The guys that are going to give you thirty games and good ones, more than likely. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm pretty sure between the two of them, I think they took three games off, maybe. Right, so between like, Justin oh, uh, and, uh, they, yeah, yeah. They, 
uh, just long. And I wanted to mention something. I was going to ask you what's the best shot you. I'm going to give it to you. I think it was the double you can string of the world championship best balls I've ever seen you throw. You got. I, I'd be repressed to that. I, I, um, so going into that second string, I mean, I, I want to say the match was tight going into the second string and like just, I mean, I, I was hurt all week. I was absolutely in agony. I mean, I, I mean, I never told anybody, I never said a word because who's, who's going to care? Like really, it's, it's just going to, it's going to come out. If, it, if I bowl bad, it's going to be an excuse. So I didn't even tell anybody. And so what happened, I played a company softball game. Well, I played three company softball games in, in, in one day <laughs> after not playing for like 12 years. And I ripped the shit out of my groin. I mean, it was bad. I mean, I was on so much, I was on so much painkillers and biofreeze and, and shit like that. Like it was by the end of the week, I was done. I was absolutely done. And going into the semifinals against Calvin's team, that that going, I finished the eighth box, and I look at Cheech. I said, "Get Sean going now, like he needs to be ready." And he's and he's like, "Okay, okay." And of course, Sean goes up and warms up and starts tearing up the warm up lanes. I'm like, I'm like, all right, let's go. And then I finished out one spare nine, spare nine. I'm like, okay, okay, maybe I can maybe I can build on that. We'll we'll see how this goes. And then I don't know why, like I I I said it. And I looked at Sean. I said, "Give me four boxes." I'm like, "Give me four boxes." I said, if I can't get anything going, you're in. He's, he's like, okay. I get up, I go, spare, spare. And then I honestly threw the next two balls were the biggest of the tournament for me. And at that point, like our, our team, I don't know, Corey, if you were there um, at that point, I, I think our team went 12 in a row. You guys went, you guys went on a tear that I, uh, before uh, at that level. You guys went like 20 for 20, ridiculous at one point. Yeah, it was, it was, it was. I had never seen anything like that. So, you know, I get up and I threw the first strike. I was like, yeah, I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, you know, we're, let's, you know, let's do this. And then I threw the double and usually like, I don't get that animated, but that was, that was like the first time that we had, I mean, I mean, there was so many people behind us and like the place went berserk. Like, like, I don't, I don't usually feel that. Like, I don't, I don't experience that a lot. You know, and so like when I threw the double, I'm like hearing everybody going like, I'm freaking sorry. <laughs> going nuts. My wife's going nuts. Like it was, it was insane. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a, a, a wave of electricity in that building. I was I was there for all of the playoff games for you guys. Um, and just when when Jordan first told me the team that he got got put onto him like oh, that's a that's a hell of a team to hit your wagon to you guys can can make a run and mm -hmm. like because i had seen justin bowl in the finals of acst i didn't know much about danny but like norcross packard you i know i know the names i know what what you guys are capable of so i'm like oh that's a that's an awesome team to to hit your name to and, and see what happens and, and get a few strings in there and, and see how deep of a run mm -hmm. you can go then as i watched these playoff games i think you blinked and you guys were up 120 pins it's it's and it's and that was yeah. that was your you just kind of described it best. There was not really much emotion from any of you, top to bottom. There was there was nothing like you guys. Mm -hmm. We saw it in the in the video of the the finals. Waters hits an impeccable shot and gives nothing. It gives no emotion, nothing because because it was not all business, but mm -hmm. it was all business. Like you guys were like, all right, clinical. job's not done. It was absolutely sickle. It was it, it was surgically precise. One of the best bowling I've ever seen at any. Up. And I was only watching it on my phone on the drive. <laughs> I almost had to pull up at a high rate of speed. <laughs> <laughs> but but just, Justin's another. See, Justin's um, he's a product of Fairway. He was he's the same same thing. Like you, like he has that ultimate pro personality. Like he's like you know he he doesn't like he won't drink while he bowls. He's just just fluid the essential fundamental bowler. And I'm like, right now I would put him as a, a top three in the game right now. He is, he is an absolute monster. And that's somebody it, who took 10 years off from the game. Scared to think of what it would have been if he, if he didn't have that time off in between, but I didn't, I didn't know, like I've got to watch Justin bowl 
And, and Jordan said that I've heard you say that. And I didn't really know what that meant is like, okay, he's, he's a great teammate. And you can say that about a lot of bowlers are great teammates until I had the opportunity to bowl with him at canal. And then I really got to see it in person. Like my brother, my brother's been bowling forever. He's, he's taken some time off, but he's kind of seen a lot of bowlers. He's bowled in a lot of things. And when he's, he's a in his head kind of guy throw like punches, the ball returns at houses and stuff like that. He, saw Justin, Justin saw him getting frustrated, pulled him back and said like, Hey, step off, take a break, focus yourself. And you can get a great teammate that cheers you on and is, is a good teammate, but to take that professional approach to things and, and know when your bowler's about to kind of lose it. That's, that's a, that's a whole thing. And I think you guys had a full team of that though. Cause you guys piggybacked off each other that you could say, okay, if Justin was struggling, somebody's going to pull Justin aside and say, Hey, take a break. Cause you've, you guys have been through a lot in your individual careers and it just kind of mm-hmm. culminated in in this event. And 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 that's the thing, because he was behind me in the four spot, and like, he he was he could tell you know when I'm struggling, he you know he'd stand literally he'd stand right behind me. He's he's like I got you, don't worry, you know you just you do you, I'll do me. But he was like we'll get this done, like it, talking to me the whole whole entire time. Although like he, he again like I know I was saying like he doesn't show he wasn't showing any emotion. I want to say it was I think it was the. It was either the quarterfinals or the semifinals or whatever. Actually, I think it was the semifinals. I think it was the same string when we went on our nuts run. Like he threw a double and he came running back to the like back to the thing, like screaming and yelling. I'm like front and center, and this big dude's like screaming and yelling, coming at me full speed. I'm like, I I ran away. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna get hurt. <laughs> but it was it was just get, but we were getting to that point. We're like, okay, we're almost there, we're almost there. But then you know, you gotta you gotta rein it back a little bit. And, and that's that's what it was when you knew, like, as I was broadcasting the finals, you knew that you guys were going to get going when you see well, – I saw you up there and you threw a – I think it was spare strike maybe. Um, I did that, in, I did that three times on the same three boxes of all three strikes. Yeah. So – and then that was was – and you turned around and for the first time in all the watchings, I watched you pump your fist and say, let's go. And I'm like, oh, this team's about to about – to, open up something because because all it takes is one bowler that especially is a, a quieter bowler that as mm. soon as they start to show some like they're they're ready that the rest of the guys are falling in line they're like all right his he just did it now i'm pumped up let me do it and, mm. and you guys did every single time it, it went straight through and it started started with norcross in the leadoff spot he makes a crazy shot and then packard goes and does something then you throw a spare strike and then it just domino effect yeah that was that was that was something that was something special i i don't want to say like you know you know, I'm glad it happened, you know, that that was my shot. But you know what? If we go back up with the same team next year, I don't see any reason why we can't go up and try and repeat. Because now, because, I mean, I mean, Calvin even said it. I think Matero even, you know, said it. Walking, going in on paper, he goes, nobody would have picked us to win. Fine. That's fine. Like, looking at all the rosters, would have I, would I have said that, you know, from an outside thing? Eh, you know what? They could go deep. You know, they could make a playoff run. But now... I think, you know, that changes people's perspective now. Now that you've already done it, you're bringing the trophy back with you. You know, yeah. these other 23 teams, not the other one chasing anything anymore. Now it's, you know, it should be an easier trip. So I, I, my mentality would, would suggest that. No, I, and I agree 100%. But, yeah, a, a long-winded answer to, to your to, to your question. Um, biggest check mark definitely definitely that i mean to get get your name on that trophy um big biggest um i mean i would put my pro series win with brandon brandon marks and ken dubray i would put that up there because that was one of the craziest finishes i have ever been a part of in my life i mean you're down 31 pins with two boxes to go and up against baker you know who you don't, you don't expect to win that. And then Baker goes like spare two, uh four box, something like that, whatever it was. And then Brandon, Brandon goes up in the last box. and goes double strike eight. Like it, it was, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. And you know, obviously I'll run the bear with Corey. You know, I couldn't, couldn't ask to, to win with a better guy. I mean, Corey's one of my favorite people as for so next, a, a, as for next on my bucket list. I don't even know. 
I I would honestly say I would after watching uh, Corey and I we you and I were talking off air. You know, my daughter just started the senior league, so now she's bowling three strings, no bumpers. And she's eight years old, but I mean, she went uh, 61, 67, 76 her last string. You know, if if she keeps with it, you know, I think my next bucket list would be to see her win something. Because honestly, I'm at, a, a I'm, I'm at I'm at I'm at the point in in my career. While I love to do it, I almost enjoy watching her be successful more. Like I would rather see her, you know, yeah, t- for the lack of better words, take the ball and run. Such a good answer. She's, you know, vicariously through her, your dad and your grandfather did through you really come full circle. And like you said, you're already cashed in enough for a whole career. Jeremy could not touch another ball. And I think you'd be satisfied. I, I think I would be, um, I don't know. I, I missed a lot during a certain, like a, like a certain era, just because, you know, I, I had I had other other responsibilities. I mean, I still bowled. I bowled consistently, but I mean, I didn't I didn't do a, a lot of pro stuff. Um, I did TV rollouts mainly, you know, and I had a good, couple of good runs on Comcast. And at, at this point, like when I was younger, I I was thinking, I'm like, you know what, you know, I made TV at 19 years old, and I'm I'm going okay. I'm I'm like this could be the start start of something. I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm gonna blow the doors down of of like my career, and then it didn't exactly go like that the next few years and i just I, I found myself actually getting better as i got older you know you know and, and you know people ask me like oh what you know what's your goal in in in, in bowling i don't know I, I just at first it was like you know i want to be in the hall of fame with these guys and you know i would you know this is, that's my goal that's what i want to do at this point i i just want kind of respect i guess from you know from my peers you know, if, if that makes sense. I mean, I, th- I think it's safe to say from, from my standpoint that there are a lot of guys in the bowling community that you have that respect a thousand percent. Cause anybody I talked to that hears the name, Jeremy Seaholm, they're like, Oh yeah, he's, he's a bowler. He he's won a lot. He's won a lot at a high level. And I think, I think that's safe to say you have the respect of that bowling community. That's for sure. And, and, it, and it's, and it's not even so much. And, and I just mean like respect in just as, my personality, you know, as, as a person or, you know, just, they don't have to respect my game, you know, just like, I, I just want them to, I don't know. I, I think, you know what I'm trying to say without. Yeah. 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 I mean, but th- that's speaking as somebody who's watched you bowl, bowled with you in, in exit or now against you and spent, shared a lane with you. You are a consummate professional on and off the lanes. Like there's, there's nothing about your personality that I think has left anybody in question about, about you. You're, you're a, you've done so much for the game with just this podcast to, to couple that with your personality as a bowler. Um, and, and that's not just your game, but like off the lanes is a respectful competitor. I think, uh, I think you, you have hit those check boxes as well. So I, I think you have nothing to worry about there. There's, there's not a single person I've ever heard complain about Jeremy Seaholm as a person, as a bowler, as a, as a competitor, except maybe Danny, but that's a totally different thing. He complains about everything. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, I do too. I, I complain to him about everything also, but yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's safe to say you've had an illustrious bowling career, uh, an illustrious career now as getting into saving some of these stories as you and Danny started to, um, when you were when you were watching when you started, who was your favorite that you were like, I want to be like him, that you just idolize your game, your mentality after? So I I, I kind of I have a two part answer to this because because I mean I have the people that I watched growing up and then I have people that I've you know bowled with you know alongside with. So obviously like growing up, Tommy, Tommy easily you know up there. Eddie Zernicky, Atkins, who I feel like still does not get enough credit as as he should, at, at least from the the newer generation. Maybe it's just because they didn't really see him bowl. I mean, I watched him bowl on Channel Five an awful lot, and I mean, I don't know, Richie. Maybe you can, you know, add your two cents Atkins, on, on Jeff. Atkins actually, was retired um, the year before United Dusty League, so that would put us about twenty years ago. So a lot of guys today, a lot of the uh, you know younger owe him from anything because he, he bowled much out east. He didn't bowl, uh, you know, the classic, which 
he has an unbeatable record aside mm-hmm. of he, he had over 2,800 bonkers, but a uh, career short age, Jeremy. Uh, and we all missed out, even some of us, on what was one of the best bowlers on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, so like, like, like Tommy. Eddie Zernicky, I, I was always a fan of the Zernickys. I mean, John as well. Atkins, God, I, the Morgans. I love the Morgans. Morgans were always fun to watch. Now, like nowadays, like if there was somebody in that I would say I would even, you know, I when I looked looked up to, and even him being younger than me and was a, also a big part in how I carried myself is Jeff. I mean, he. I don't know if you would agree, Richie, but in our generation, he is probably, probably the best, if not one of the best in in our in our era. Yeah. Oh, I, I, there's a Mount Rushmore of modern day bowl right there, uh, without a question. Yeah. Fantastic too. You talk about consummate professional. Never, never gets too low. He's just where he wants to every single time, and it's incredible because he always does. <laughs> <laughs> But again, it's just the way he's he's humble. I mean, he's approachable off the lanes. He's one of the one of the friendliest guys, you know. And and that was that was just something that I looked up to. Like I said, even though you know he's younger than me, but like, it was like okay, like if this young kid can do it, like I I can do it too, you know. And and I've been fortunate enough to watch his entire career, and it's just been an absolute blast, and and an absolute blast. So I know we're we're a little over the hour time limit now, and this is where usually when when we start to to wind things up on here, you usually have your your regular question finale. I'm gonna have my own question because I I look at bowling a little bit differently from you guys. You guys, especially the two of you, have done a lot in the game. I'm still somebody who's kind of getting my feet wet in in pro bowling, so to speak. So when you see some of the younger bowlers, you said earlier, kind of watch the pros. But what's something that you can tell guys that are trying to to get better on a week to week basis because when there's not a pro series around in their house leagues, what's something mm-hmm. that you can say? This helped me take my game to the next level. You were you said earlier you were a 109. You've you've gone to a 120 plus average. What what was it that you saw? Whether it was repetition, whether it was just working on X Y Z. What you see when you're on the lanes that can kind of take some of the bowlers that do listen to this and push them to the next level. Well, I mean, one thing is practice. Get as many games in as you can. I, I mean, I was fortunate enough to work in a bowling alley where I bowled every single day on my lunch. You know, hour lunch, five strings every single day. And then, it, you know, what the, the the weird the weird thing was there was a group of old timers that would bowl off to the to the left, and he comes over and he goes, "Are you looking at the pins? Or are you looking at the the arrows?" I'm like, "I don't know." I'm like, "I don't think I look at either." He goes, I want you to start using the arrows. Like he goes, that'll get you to the next spot. And he's he's like, this way, you know, like, you know, where you can make adjustments left or right, this and that. You know, you miss left, you move left, blah, blah, blah. And he turned me into a, a spot bowler that day, and I haven't changed since. Which is but I would say absolutely get as many games in as you can. Don't necessarily keep score because scores are relevant. It, practice scores are relevant. Don't be afraid to ask ask advice from from any again i mean it all depends on like you know who's around if you're just bowling in your league stuff like that i'm like ask ask guys how to play shots how to you know i really don't know what else too too much to say but i mean just put the work in and that's really that's a great answer because i mean you you have that fine line between overworked and making sure you hit the right amount and practicing because it's Mm -hmm. a lot less pressure is is the is going to be the key to a lot of it not Bowling when there's no pressure on is going to make you a better pressure bowler. Well, I mean, that's and, – and Dave Barber and I had this conversation, you know, when, you know, he was telling me that he was getting, you know, complaints for the pro series because, like, the same people were winning. And his reply to that was, put in the work, be better. He's like, you're going to tell me that, you know, the, the Major League Baseball is going to – go on strike because the Yankees are winning too much or something like that. It's like, no, be better. Like, you know, work on your game and figure it out kind of thing. He's like, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but like, just it's, that's what it is. You know, know, be better. 
And that's, I think that's a great, a great mantra to just have in not only Candlepin, but in life, just be better, mm-hmm. be better tomorrow than you were today. That's it. I agree. So as we, as we wrap up here, Richie, you have any final thoughts or questions for Jeremy? In particular, I think we've uh, covered pretty much all the shout out to Jerry for Monday nights because this would have happened. <laughs> that's, that's a fact. Absolutely. Jeremy, I want to thank you very much for, for taking, taking the host hat off and putting the guest <laughs> hat on because this last hour and 10 minutes has been absolutely full of knowledge, stories, great stuff that I'm glad I got to hear firsthand, especially. Um, it's It's been a great time, great, great learning about the emotions behind the bowler and the stories that built you to who you are today. And, and like Richie said, that one conversation from one bowler that propelled you to where you are now. It, 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 it's crazy, you know, how life, how life works that way, you know, and one little thing that happens, you know, that you don't think anything of creates, you know, what are the, the butterfly effect, I guess yep. that's what it would be called, yep. you know, and like, even what was it my first year, my first year at fairway, you know, I, there was a, the Friday night league, you know, couples league or whatever. There was, there was a lady there bowling with her mother, her friend, and then one of her other friends. I happen to be joking with like her guy friend. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm like, this is crazy. I've gotten like three phone numbers today. Like that, that's like friggin' odd. Like, huh? 15 minutes later, one of the girls from that team came up, dropped off a piece of paper, like it wrote out cell phone number, home number, email. And she said something walking away. I didn't hear what it was. And uh, now we've been married almost 19 years. It's crazy. It's it's crazy what the bowling community and just something as simple like that one night can change everything in your in your trajectory and <laughs> and it's kind of led you to a good place personally, good place candlepin wise. And we are we are more than happy to be along for the ride and watch this story continue yeah. to unfold. I I would have nothing. I would have nothing of what I have now without the game. And it's, that's why you continue to watch you give back to the game and with things like the approach and your work with the, the shows um, it's you're, you've given back quite a, quite a bit to kind of help the trajectory of bowling continue on. That's for sure. I'll second that. And and, uh, you as well, Corey, you guys names what you're doing with the content. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just happy to be a, a place that they can, they can take this to video and do whatever I can, but I'm, I am simply a follower in what has been pioneered by guys like Jeremy and uh, Frank with Ali chat, stuff like that is getting kind of, they started this, this movement of, of making sure things are streamed and broadcast and, and podcasts, all that stuff. And I'm just, I'm just here hitching my wagon to the movement and then, and just being one more outlet for all this stuff. So it really starts with guys like Jeremy and even you, Richie, who's been involved with a lot of TV. It's been, it's, it's been a pleasure to watch these shows and, and, uh, hear your voices and your opinions on the game as they're from outside looking in and then watching, being able to watch you guys bowl. It's for me, it's, it's gone from fan to being bowling next to you. in some of these, these weekly, the monthly league, the, the tournaments, it's been, it's been awesome to, to kind of have that. Development. I mean, I think we're in one of the better eras that we've seen in this game for a long time. I mean, how, how much content is out there now compared to say 10 years ago? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? It's like now there's, I mean, it all started with, you know, Frank and Kyle with the alley chat podcast, but like not like, you know, you have ripping the rack, you, you know, you have the approach, you have streaming matches literally every single day. Yep. I'm like, you, if I'm, if I'm not, not bored at work, but I mean, if I'm sick of listening <laughs> to whatever I'm listening to, you know, I can throw on, I can throw on Facebook and I can, you know, put a little box up, you know, where I can watch an ACST match. It's, it's, it's crazy. There's more content out there now than ever, you know? And I, I feel like that's, that's kind of where, where we need to be. And that's, you see that a lot more now, even the next level that, that Carrie and Caitlin are taking it to with TikTok. Like you see these little things that it's insane. You, you adapt Absolutely to social media insane. and you get people from, from Wisconsin and in California that are like, Oh, what is this game? And start learning about it. And it, it is, it's a, it's a game Renaissance for Candlepin. It, it, it really is. I mean, is it, does that mean that, you know, places are going to start popping up all over the country? Probably not, but it's got eyes on us and, you know, that's, and that's all, all we can wish for. And, you know, if something happens from it, something happens from it, but you know, we're, we're no, getting no, the exposure. Down. And I'm just saying, I need, I need Richie and Jeremy this, back in the booth. 
Yeah, when I get, I get a lot of ACST matches that I, I don't know. I just I need I need to get you two guys on a on a stream to call one of my matches because when you guys were working together, it was uh, it was it was great Let's stuff. That's for sure. Do it. I'm down. All right, I'm I'm gonna pencil it in. I'm gonna find a match. I'm gonna find something that works with your schedule. We're gonna we're gonna get you guys on on one of the the uh, streams for the ACST. Seriously, seriously, yep, yeah. Pick a you know pick one. We'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Awesome. Sounds good. You guys heard it here. We have it in verbal consent. Massachusetts is a verbal contract state, so you guys are signed up now. <laughs> but again, thank you guys both for, for joining me here tonight, Richie. You were awesome as a co-host. Jeremy, as a guest, you are, you are stellar as a guest, stellar as a host. So I appreciate both of you being on here. Um, everybody I who's watching it. after the fact, Anchor FM, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can find a podcast, you'll look for the approach camp and bowling podcast not only this episode look back at their other episodes because i started listening to it because of the tommy olsta interview that's what first was like oh i gotta listen to that and then i i binged it and it was it was great stuff it always is um if you're listening afterwards and you want to see this live with our beautiful faces twitch.tv slash candleping corner check us out um they host here it's been pretty weekly lately uh holidays obviously throw a little bit in a wrench in there but it's pretty steady schedule with that but for Candlepin Corner on Twitch, I am Corey with Richie and Jeremy joining me here today. Thanks again, everybody, for, for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll catch you next time.